power to change your life. What would you like to change about yourself? Would you like maybe to be more confident, more relaxed, more outgoing? Maybe have less fear, less bitterness, less boredom? Have a purpose in your life? Something that in the morning when you opened your eyes, you had this, this great purpose to get out of that bed and go about life and be productive. There's few people in life who have attained perfection. There might be some that tell us they have, but we know that's not true. Most of us are very interesting in changing, and we realize that there's always room for improvements. If you don't believe that, ask your spouse. I think in all the years of ministry, one question surfaces in people's lives. Why can't I change? Why am I trapped in this life? Why, why are these habits consuming me? Why can't, why can't I make that, that next step and move to that next level? And we go to great lengths to do that, don't we? we? We maybe go to seminars and we read books and maybe look for motivational videos on YouTube and we listen to CDs. And all these things say about the same thing. Get rid of bad habits. Be positive. Don't be negative. But how do you do that? They don't give you that. They don't give you that next step. Where do I get the power to change? That's the problem. Where do I get the power? Well, good news, that's, that's what Easter is about. Philippians 3.10. All I, all I want to know is Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. Ephesians 1.19. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. The same mighty power who raised Christ from the dead. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The word power is used 57 times in the New Testament. It's a book of power. It's the most powerful event that's ever happened on this earth. It's separated A.D. and B.C. All history was split by this powerful event. And what was that power? It's the power to change your life. It's a supernatural power that can come in and, and help us change. We're going to be talking about power it's like new, the new chaplain that went to a correctional center, and he was nervous, and he was new on the job, and he went on death rail. He was interviewing this guy and said, I'm going to be praying for you. And that guy said, you don't understand. I'm going to be electrocuted in the morning. And he looked him in the eye and said, more power to you. <laughs> they laughed a little more in the first service, Pastor Jeff. I don't I'm not a comedian, but I know how that feels when it bombs. You know, there's a silence to go, yeah, I don't know about that. But <laughs> Paul said, I want to know the power of the resurrection. The Greek word for power is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. God says, I want to give you dynamite power in your life. Paul said, I want that. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago is available for us. What is resurrection power? It's a power to cancel your past. It's a power to conquer your problems, and it's a power to change your personality. That's what the Bible said. It's the power to cancel your past. Who in here doesn't have one? We all have them. And we, we in, in life, and it, we have compartmentalized our lives, and, and in our life, every one of us, regardless of who you are, you've got a closet that's got skeletons in it. Might be you and God knows it, but it, they're there. And the problem sometimes as we live in smaller cities, 
People never forget that. And they want to parade those skeletons in front of your face. And uh, God forgets them. <laughs> he cancels them. The past. Cancel means to eliminate, to neutralize, to offset. Have you ever been halfway through a project and wish you could start over? It's, it's like me with golf after about the first two holes. I'm, I'd like to go back to one and get a new scorecard and try over again. But a lot of people's like that in life. They get to a certain point and say, boy, I wish I could go back and, and, and do this over. And sometimes they let their past control them. They can't get beyond that. They are labeled. You are no good. You've been that way since you was a kid. You're going to be that way the rest of your life. You have no hope. You know, that's the worst thing you can say to a kid. You are bad seed. You're not going to make it. Heaven forbid if any of you have ever said that to a child. Sometimes you hear that in different places. Joss heard it in school. A teacher told him that. He never forgot it. And we get down and we get down and we get lower and lower and we live in this state of regret. And we continually say, if only, if only. And people are tortured by painful memories. I blew it. Therefore, I'm going to pay for this one mistake my entire life. I am such a loser. God says that's unnecessary. God says it's unnecessary for you to go around with that heavy load of guilt and old hurts and memories and mistakes. Colossians 2.14, he has forgiven all your sin and canceled every record of debt that we had to pay. In your Bible, you need to circle that word canceled. Christ has done away with it. He's nailed it to the cross. You have to leave it there. But a lot of times, we'll confess and we'll... We'll take that. And Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But he, you nail them sins and that past up there. But for some reason, I don't know why, we take a crowbar and, and try to pry it back off and, and, and wear it again around our neck. And, and it weights us down. The Bible says he's forgiven all of our sins. What's sin? It's an archery term. It comes from bows and arrows. When a person in archery would shoot an arrow and miss the target or miss the bullseye, it was called a sin. It missed the mark. That's why the Bible says we've all of sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. It's an archery term. We don't live up to our own goals, much less God's in our lives. The good news is that God offers complete forgiveness. He cancels every record of debt in your life. It's completely forgotten. That's hard for us to grasp, isn't it? We, we don't do that. We remember stuff. How many times have we heard this, and I've said this a thousand times probably from this pulpit. Do you remember the time? And then especially somebody, if they dig you real well and knock a scab off a past wound, you want to get even, so you say, do you remember the time? But God doesn't do that. It's gone for him. He didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. He did not come to condemn us. He came to change us. Jesus himself said in John 3, 17, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. It's like an Etch-A-Sketch. You try to draw pictures and things on that. If you mess up, all you do is turn it over and shake it, and you start with a fresh screen. Jeremiah 31, 34, I will remember their sins no more. It's got to be one of the amazing, most amazing verses in the Bible. He cancels your past. It's like God 
takes all your sin, he puts it in the deepest part of the ocean, and then he puts up a no fishing sign. That's what he does for us. If in the course of today, in this hour, if you've never made that commitment to ask Christ into your heart to be your Savior, you might do that today as the Holy Spirit knocks. And if you would do that today and say, Christ Jesus, I want you to forgive me of all the things I've ever done wrong. I want to give my life to you. I want to make that commitment today. And if something would happen, you'd die tonight and you'd stand before God and say, Lord, what about that sin yesterday? He'd say, what sin? Some of us have made major mistakes in business. God would say, what mistakes? Some of you have gone through a painful divorce, and God would say, what divorce? God cancels your past. That allows us to get on with the present. He doesn't hold our past against us. What's the basis for forgiveness? Romans 8, 1. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus died on the cross when his last words were, it is finished. The Greek, one, it's one word in the Greek. It means paid in full. It's canceled. It's like when you paid in full, when you get a bill or have it paid, you don't remember it anymore. If God forgets a sin for a moment, you confess it. After you confess it, when he forgives it, do you think that we ought to forget it ourselves? That's what I did on the cross. God said, I paid for every mistake you've ever made. So Jesus was crucified on that cross so you can stop crucifying yourself. He was hung up for your hang-ups. Takes all those mistakes and does away with them. What is resurrection power? It's a power to conquer your problems. Who in here doesn't have them? We've all got problems. I got them, you got them. If you don't have problems, you don't have a pulse. And those people in Center Ridge, they don't have problems. But our real problem is what to do with our problems. So a lot of times you and I will try to solve these problems on our own. It makes us sick. Then we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Nothing seems to change. We can't get out from under it. Guy goes mountain climbing, falls off a cliff, and about 20 feet down he bumps and grabs this ledge and hangs on, and he looks down over the edge, and it's 1,000 feet, and it's 20 feet up, pretty much straight up, so he can't get up, and he said, I, I need to pray. And he, he prays to God, Lord, I, I, need, I need for you to get me out of here. I, I need it really bad because I am caught. Voice out of heaven comes up, out and say, just let go and I'll catch you. Guy looks up and says, is there anybody else up there? It's like that old joke about that guy down south in that big flood. He gets up on his roof and the water's rising. Lord, please rescue me. 20 minutes later, a jet ski, a kid on a jet ski blasts up and says, hey, get on here. I'll take you to safety. Nope, God's going to save me. A little while longer, boat comes by. Hey, get in. We'll take you to safety. Nope, God's going to save me. Then even a, a helicopter comes, and he's over the loudspeaker. Well, drop the rope. He said, no, God's going to save me. Two hours later, the water comes up, and he drowns. He's in heaven. He said, Lord, why didn't you save me? He said, what do you mean? I sent you a jet ski, a boat, and a helicopter. I think we're, we're like that sometimes. God, God sends us the answer, and we don't, we don't get it. We just don't get it. It's power to conquer your problems. Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall trouble or hardship 
or danger. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. We need to circle conquerors. Webster describes conquerors as one who overcomes by gaining control. I've met hundreds of people in the last 35 years that their lives were out of control. And what did they say? You don't understand what it was like at my house. You don't understand the way I was raised. I am a victim of circumstances. What can I do? I'm powerless. Just about the time I make ends meet, somebody moves the ends. And somebody comes up and says, how you doing? Well, under the circumstances, I'm all right. That's the problem. You're under the circumstances. Somebody said circumstances are like a mattress. You get on top and you rest easy. You get underneath it and they suffocate you. Depends on where you are. A lot of people are under their circumstances. The fact is you can't control their circumstance, but you control how you respond to it. But you don't know my problems. You don't know all the problems I've had, all the people that's been mean to me. So you have a pity party. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Wow, wow. We get there, don't we? And aren't, when you're there, it, you, it, you get aggravated with people that try to get you out of it. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm in misery, and I just want to be in misery alone. The verse says we are more than conquerors. In the Greek, it says we are super conquerors with overwhelming victory. If you put your life in God's hands, rely on the power of the resurrection, nothing can devastate your life. Watch a mouthful, isn't it? Because we have things that devastate us all the time, break our hearts. But we are resilient because of the power of God in our lives, because of the Holy Spirit, and we cry out to him. He brings you along, and, and finally, you get through it. Nothing can swallow you up. Nothing can destroy you. That is the message of Easter. No matter how dark the situation, God can turn it around. And even in this hour of darkness, even in this catastrophe that has befallen you, you can, you can look ahead and you can see the light. And, you're, and, and Jesus is there motioning you on and we can get through it. Actually, he's in it with you. <laughs> you got his arm around you just kind of leading you through. There's always a light at the end in Christ. He always gives us the power to be able to endure it and move on, to rise above those problems. Resurrection power, it's the power to cancel your past. It's the power to conquer your problems. And lastly, it's the power to change your personality. I used to think that was impossible. This is just the way I am. I was born this way. I was raised this way. And this is going to be the way I am when they slam that lid on that casket. This, this is me. And that sometimes, I do believe, is a huge excuse. You know what Swindoll said excuse was? It's a, it's a lie wrapped in the skin of reason. What would you like to change about you this morning as you think about that? Or what would your spouse like to change about you? That's a better question. One wife said, my husband is so temperamental, 90% temper, 10% mental. Husband went in for marriage counseling one day and said, I want a divorce right now. And the pastor said, but you said you promised before God to take her for better or for worse. The man said, yeah, but she's a lot worse than I took her for. <laughs> the power to change your personality. Complete this sentence. It's just like me to be what? As you sit there in this moment, 
Well, how would you answer that? Each, everybody answer that themselves. It's just like me to be. Always late, always worry, never stay on a diet. I went on a diet once for a whole afternoon. It didn't work. <laughs> always put my foot in my mouth. That's me. <laughs> always blow up, always be depressed, always get angry, not be serious enough or too serious, whatever. You know how you are. And the fact is God uses a two-step process to change us. I, I don't know how your salvation experience was. But when the Holy Spirit came to me, it, it wasn't just a little tap. It was like a, a heavy fist on a door beating it down that Jesus wanted to come into my life, and I was smart enough at that time to do that. That's the first step. We have to come to that point where we bow our hearts, we bow our knee to Christ, and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I want you to be, I want to be your kid. We all have to take that step. It's the entrance into the kingdom. It's not a set of classes. It's not go through this process, and then at the end, you, you're in. It, it, it's just a heartfelt desire in our own lives that, that we have to, each have to do. We have to make that step. And then what happens? Well, God says, I wiped your past. It's all gone. You're starting over. You're born again. It's what the Bible calls it. It doesn't mean reincarnation. It means you get another chance. And another chance, and another chance, and another chance to start over. You get a new life. You don't turn over a new leaf. You turn over a new life. And it's followed by a lifetime process. And it's a rocky road sometimes. Scripture says that path is narrow. We want it to be wide, but it's narrow because there's some guidelines in there that God puts in our lives. Romans 12, 2 said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind has changed. Easy to get in a rut, isn't it? Go through the same thing over and over and over, like on a treadmill. It's like a rat race. Sometimes we think the rats are winning. There's a myth that goes around like this. I can't change. I've tried to change. I've worked hard. I've used my willpower. I've read books. I've gone to seminars. I've listened to CDs, but I can't change. It's just the way I am. You're right. You can't do it on your own power. But with God's power, he can make a difference in your life. I want to take your greatest weakness and turn it into your greatest strength, he tells us. How's he do it? Well, we come to Christ. We admit that we are powerless. Then we confess, repent. He comes into our lives. We, we start to obey him, walk in the spirit. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. And he does it supernaturally. I, I think that's the thing. Sometimes that holds us back from followers following Christ that we think we're going to have to do it ourselves. Not so. Pastor Jeff and I get up here to preach. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength and the power to do it. When Steve leads worship, it's the same way. When Kurt does administration, it's the same way. We don't have to do it under our own power. And what he asks you to do in life, he doesn't expect you to do that on your own. He'll give you the power to do it. We can look around and see miracle after miracle. My brother, Clint Pinkston, he's a miracle. God changed his life, saved his family. I can go on and on. He's just one example. God's got big plans for Clint. It's because he bent his knee to Christ and wanted to follow him. We're beginning a new series, Pastor Jeff and I. It's called Encouraging Words from God's Word. We'll be talking about not giving up but looking up. Don't let doubts defeat you. Never too late to start over. 
what to do when you feel like giving up. Any of those sound something you'd like to hear, please come back. But there's one thing that keep, can keep you from changing. I don't know you completely, but I can tell you one thing. There's one thing in your life that's going to keep you from changing. What is it? It's not the devil. It's not people. It's not God. It's not circumstances. It's one word, procrastination. It's deadly. I have every intention to change, but I'll do it tomorrow. Waiting, delay. Intentions don't do anybody any good. I meet a lot of people that will say, I'm ready to live, but they never do it. I'm aiming to change. I want to say, when are you going to pull the trigger? Procrastination is fatal. It will kill you. One of these days, I'm going to go to the dentist and get this tooth fixed. I'm going to have that surgery I need. Maybe it's my knee or a hip, whatever. I'm going to spend a lot more time with my family. I'm going to get serious about being a follower of Christ. I'm going to get active in church. I'm going to go after that dream I've been dreaming for years. I'm going to get in shape one of these days. One of these days never comes. And so we keep doing that over and over and over again. My favorite movies, classic movies, is the Ten Commandments. Amazing thing about the Ten Commandments was that there were these different plagues that God put on Egypt, and every plague made fun of a different Egyptian god, the cow, the lice, etc. But one of the most interesting plagues was frogs. Frogs in your bed, frogs everywhere, the entire land of Egypt, all but the land of Goshen, which God protected. There were hundreds of millions of frogs everywhere. I know what just a few sounds like, but can you imagine all them croaking and whatever? And I am sure that Mrs. Pharaoh said, Pharaoh, I don't care what you do, but you got to get these stinking frogs out of my house. There's no exterminators to call at that time. So I imagine she was nagging him a little bit. Not that any of you women would even know what that word means, but you know what I'm saying. So here's the amazing thing about this. Pharaoh starts to give in a little bit to get rid of the frogs, and one day Moses comes up and says, when do you want to get rid of them? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. There's a famous sermon entitled, One More Night with the Frogs. Why in the world would you put off change and put it off and put it off and put it off? You knew it was going to be positive, but you know what? A lot of times I think we do things that hurt us, and we get this mindset, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to get cancer. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. My liver's not going to be eat up by cirrhosis, so we don't quit. But that's an amazing story tomorrow. You and I do that all the time. We procrastinate. We put off things that would be good for us. Why? Maybe complacency. Maybe because we've been spoiled in this life and in this country. Maybe we're just lazy. Maybe we fear. We don't know what the changes are going to be like. Maybe pride. Maybe we're stubborn. We procrastinate and we procrastinate. Any space expert will tell you that most of the amount of fuel in a rocket is used in the first few hundred yards. It takes tremendous energy and thrust to get that rocket off the launch pad. I've even read it's something unbelievable, like a gallon an inch. Our saying in life is to get going. It's to break procrastination. But one thing for me to tell you this morning and say, Jesus Christ can cancel your past. 
you can live guilt-free. You can go to bed at night in peace. He can help you conquer the problems you're facing. He can change your personality. Don't say one of these days I'm going to do it. Think about that today, my friends. What's Easter mean to you? I've been to the tomb. I've been to this tomb, this picture. He's not there. Nobody's home. He's arose. He went back to the Father. And he sat down at the right hand, and he makes intercession for us, and he sits there, and he waits for God the Father to turn and say, Jesus, bring my kids home. That's, 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 a, that's a comforting thought to me. Have you been able to let go of your past? Christ often offers complete forgiveness. You put your life back together. There's no word that's too big, no circumstances too heavy that we can't rise above and, and work through them. And you know what? That's what the church is for. We call each other brothers and sisters. This is just not a figure of speech. It means it. Families are tight. <laughs> I always think about Diane Frank's family, the McGrews and Terre Haute, family 18 children. Well, they'd have a, a reunion at Deming Park. They might be fighting amongst themselves, but boy, you let somebody else come in. It was like the Jun Horde was on them. <laughs> family sticks together. That's what we do. We're blood relatives where the blood of Christ has made us tight. So that's, that's what we do. We, we help each other along the way. Please remember, my friends, that you, you are... You are always welcome here. It's like we've said before, you're only a visitor once. But this morning, as we get ready to close, and hopefully you'll have a great Easter dinner, I just want you to be honest with God. I say that a lot because I know as sure as I'm standing on this stage that the Holy Spirit has spoke to you. Now, it's up to you with what you do with that. You need Christ this morning? Here's a prayer. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and cleanse me of my unbelief. I believe in you and your sal in salvation. Through the blood of Jesus, I turn from my sin and trust in Jesus alone as my Savior. As you, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. That's how I came to Jesus. If you need to say that prayer in your heart, you need to come to this altar and be prayed with. You want some instruction. You just want somebody to love on you. That's what this altar is about. So this morning, as we close, just, just listen to God and, and do what he asks you to do. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for blessing us and hanging out with us here this morning and just letting us feel your mighty presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. Right now, Lord, as you touch each heart, may we be open and honest and obey whatever you put on it this morning. We do ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen.